Welcome to 12 Rows Back, we bring you footy from the fans' perspective. We are here after a ripping round 17, some great big comebacks, the top of the table clash started off the round, uh, and I'm here to discuss it all with a uh, returning guest, uh, welcome Sammy. Yeah, good to be back, Sauce, and on the 12 Rows Back team. Uh, Tom's off having a baby number one, little Ava's, Ava's on the scene as well, so... Tom's obviously going to be out for a few weeks as well. So I'm subbing in to you know, get back into the podcast there as well. Yeah. And so just to clarify, he did have a baby. It wasn't due to the Saints' poor performance Saturday night that he's not fronting up. Oh, I think he was actually a bit sort of 50-50 about whether he was going to do it. And then Saturday night just tipped him over the edge as well, which is fair enough. So he's left it to me to pick the pieces up as well from the performance on Saturday from the Saints. But I didn't actually see too much of the game. So, yeah, I don't know how much I, I can put for it. But, yeah. That's all right. I have had someone write in with a specific question about that, which we'll get to. But uh, it was, <laughs> yeah. um, like like I said, top of the table clash Thursday. Um, top eight implications, Sydney Dogs on Friday night. Uh, Collingwood just got by to, for their win. Uh, Richmond had it sewn up and the Suns, after the siren again, because so we're going to get to all these. Oh, um, an absolute performance that was from the Suns. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. It was, and it was every footy fan outside of Richmond loved that one. Um, and obviously the Saints didn't didn't turn up or didn't play so well against the Dockers. And all of those games, top eight implications. Port Giants still had a game on. Brisbane dropped the game to Essendon. Apparently COVID's an excuse or illness. Um, they won't let Geelong have that for the prelim last year. Um, Adelaide and Hawthorne, not top eight implications, but draft implications. And then West Coast Carlton, West Coast sort of just turned up a little bit late, got back into it, and then went home early. It was the uh, sort of the, the veteran move. You know, you're having a night out, you don't really want to have a big night. So you turn up a little bit late, you say hello, greet everyone, and then you duck off early so you don't have to deal with it the next day. It was brilliant from the Eagles. Um, but let's let's get into it. Let's loop back Thursday night. You've got to cast your mind back with these Thursday games. Uh, Geelong 12 19 91 beat the Demons 9 9 63. I think it's the first time we've read out the scores on the podcast. So that's a that's a new one. Um, this was this had top top of the table clash all out, written all over it. Obviously, these two teams go back with that big comeback in the, the very last round of the season from Melbourne Melbourne against Geelong down there at the Cattery. And then the prelim, obviously, uh uh, everything going Melbourne's way in those games, but Cats were too good. And, and you know, 12 19, they kicked a little bit straighter. This was a bit of a shellacking. Yeah, a bit of a redemption for the Cats after um, the, the D smashed them in the prelim last year as well. And uh, it's so good to have uh, Thursday night footy back on as well. And this is a, an actual actual 1v2 that lived up to the hype all week as well. We had um, Brisbane versus Melbourne a few weeks ago, which didn't really live up to it, but this was a genuine. Uh, Clash of the Titans as well between the two and the, the Cats were just too good as well. You had um, Petrarca kicking three and Oliver having an absolute bundle of it as well, but the Cats were still just too good. And yeah, like you're saying, 12-19, they really could have actually run away with it in the end. Yeah, they, I, I thought I thought they missed some chances and, and not kept Melbourne in it because, I mean, the Ds are good. They don't let you get easy shots, but they certainly missed some chances. Guthrie was back to his best. Um, sort of the thing, like the thing I'm looking at. They didn't get Hawkins has kicked one 
I don't know if Jezza didn't kick a goal. So yeah, they're both I quiet. That was interesting that uh, Jezza didn't actually end up kicking a goal for the whole game, but the Cats still get up. So that's even bigger as well, isn't it? That, you know, their best player and arguably the best player in the comp doesn't kick a goal and they're still able to beat the Ds. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was that was probably a real win. Um, and the Ds are... They're not... They're not out of it. There's just lots of concerns around that forward line and where the goals are going to come from come September. But I think we know that it tightens up to another level in the finals. So it's not a it's not a case of they need to find another 10, 10 goals. They've still kicked nine. They probably only need to get to 12 and, and shut the Cats down a little bit. And we know the, if they play a final, it won't be at the, the skilled stadium. It'll be at the, the MCG. So it does change a little bit, doesn't it? Well, yeah, it's interesting to think like after that game, do you have the Cats as premiership favourites as well? And you say it every single year, but we've seen this before from the Cats that, you know, they're such a great home and away team that when it comes to finals that they just sort of can't quite get to the final, you know, that elusive premiership. I mean, they get hard done by it. They're very hard to win, but it's still one of those things that we can't really judge the Cats this time of the year. We really have to wait till finals, finals to sort of, say you know, whether all, all the sort of list management changes that have made have actually made a difference there as well. I will say though, with the Cats this year, they do have some genuine firepower and Jeremy Cameron as well, having him come to the club has been such a huge get for the, the Cats. I mean, they had to give up a lot to get him, but he'd have to be arguably yeah, the best player in the comp as well. And you just sort of would be banking on having him in the team now as well when they go into finals to be the difference maker in a prelim or granny if it gets to that as well. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Those three picks that they gave up and they got a couple of second rounders back, they just don't matter whether they have them or don't. If they get a premiership, that's that's really all. Like you're drafting players to win the flag. Why not go and get the player that can do that? The proven well, ironically commodity. as well, there's, there's a bit of talk that... Um, uh, one of the players they, the Giants got with one of those picks was uh, Tanner Bruin, and there's a bit of chat that he might be coming and going back to the Cats. He's a Geelong Falcon boy as well, so it wouldn't surprise know. me. It, it's I guess the advantage of being in Victoria, but also the regional side of it. They get a lot of a lot of sort of boys that want to come home but not get into the Melbourne bubble. Um, I do think anyone who wants to instill the Cats as premiership favourites after that has sort of got to be kidding themselves because either. You looked at it at the start of the year and said, "Yep, I think they should be. I think they're going to win the flag, or they're going to be close." Um, or, or at the start of the year, you said, "I still don't trust them in finals. I still think they're going to run out of legs." And if you've thought that at the time, I don't know how your opinion can have changed based on a regular season game. I know that's what the media loves to do, um, but I, I, I think they're certainly a threat, um, probably in the top three. It's probably the three teams at the top of the ladder for me that are, that are the threats. The Cats, we don't trust in finals. The Ds, we know have won it, but seem to have forward line issues. And Freo are sort of a bit of an unknown commodity for me in that they haven't played in a final. They, don't, they probably don't know what they're capable mm, they of or what, or what they're yeah. not capable of. So it might be a blessing in disguise and they'll be able to go all the way sort of thing. Um, Brisbane can't trust in finals or won't trust in finals until they do it. So I'm happy. I'm, Happy to have Brisbane do a Melbourne last year and prove me wrong, but nothing to make me happier. Um, but I, I, anyone who decides suddenly now, oh yeah, Geelong are legit, they're going to win a final. Based on what? 
like based on what it's like all these years, Richmond were playing finals. He sat there and went, yeah, but you you can't win them. Like I can see you can make it to the finals, but we know you can't win them. And then they pumped themselves up and they won all those games and, and got in and then they lost. And then they, they belted North the week before the finals and Brad Scott rested all his players. Then we came out the following week. They were fifth, we were eight, and we belted them. So it's it to I me. Think it, that happened a couple of years in a row as well with the uh, the Blues, but as yep. well, we, yeah, it's a bit of a funny one as well. Those sides, you're probably not used to having someone on the, on the pod who's a bit more easy on the cats than uh, than Tom is. But actually, do you reckon they're a bit of a point of difference this year? The cats, I could really see, and it tends to be from this point of the season onwards that you sort of set up your premiership tilt. So I think the next six weeks will really sort of tell us a lot about who actually is the, the standout. And if you go back like the last six weeks with the D's, I'm pretty sure they're, they're two and four. So their form is really sort of tapered off at this point of the year. And from a team that was looking like they were going to go through the season undefeated, as we heard multiple times, yeah, they're looking a bit shaky as well. And, you know, players like Bailey Fritch and, um, Cosy Pickett, they just can't really fire a shot at the moment as well. And you wouldn't think you'd be saying this, but they're actually really missing Tom McDonald, I reckon. Just that um, reliable sort of link player usually kicks two or three goals. Um, ben Brown's having to do all the heavy lifting himself and he's just not looking like he's sort of up to being the, the solo player up forward as well. So, yeah, not too sure about the Ds, but, I mean, you wouldn't be writing them off, obviously. They've still got so much talent. Yeah, they're, well, they're still my pick, the Ds. I still back them in to, to make good. Um, but they'll. you're right. Now's the time you sort of start building and forming your way into into a, a, a bit of momentum come finals time. But uh, look, I, I think the difference with the Cats this year is they're actually prepared to take the game on and move the ball a little bit quicker. And it's giving mm. Hawkins and Cameron one-on-one opportunities. And they're, they're hard at the best of times. When it's one-on-one for those two, they're like exceptionally hard to beat. So that was probably the one thing I noticed on, on Thursday night. Um, I've got to give a grade out. I'm, I'm probably going to give HD to the Cats for beating the top side and making them, uh, holding them at bay pretty well. I'm going to give the Ds a fail. Uh, it might be slightly different grading if it was away from Cardinia, but it was down there. So they didn't get completely embarrassed, but the scoring shots could have been a lot worse for them. Yeah, I'm with you as well. So, so I reckon HD for the Cats, I mean, beating the reigning premiers and stamping yourself as a genuine premiership contender with the Cats and then the Ds, probably just give them a fail. It was a fair effort. I mean, Petrarca kicks three, has 20, and I forget which point of the game, but Oliver's battling a thumb and having Gordon and uh, Jackson back as well for one game, they'll be better for the run as well. So, yeah, probably go with a, um, a fail for the Ds. Yep, I reckon that's fair. Friday night, Sydney playing the Dogs. I thought this was going to be a ripper. Um, I feel like these two always seem to play good, tight, hard games. But it was seven goals, eight to two goals, one at quarter time. And to have 15 scoring shots and a quarter of footy in this day and age is... As, as big problems for a team and a coach. And from there, it was it sort of ummed and ahed. And, I mean, they've ended up winning by 53 points, the Swans against the Dogs, who, for all intents and purposes, it was a final for the Dogs. They had to win oh, that. It's a, 
to yeah, stay in. Yeah, ready for this this game. So, so I went back and watched a few clips from the old um, 2016 Grand Final with um, the Triple N commentary and some of BT's finest work as well. And I was sort of geared up that it would be sort of getting back to that level of, uh, you know, create a uh, quality game. But the, the Swans just absolutely jumped, um, jumped the, the dogs in this one. They I think they kicked something like the first seven or seven of the first eight goals of the game. And it was effectively over a quarter time. It was. It was. Um, they absolutely blitzed them. And it, in a manner that we more are accustomed to seeing the dogs do, um, sort of than the Swans. You don't think of the Swans as this fast, high-scoring team, um, but they just jumped out of the gates and and never looked back. And it was, it was ended up sort of playing out for time late. But Isaac yeah, Keeney as well. He had an like an unbelievable game. Something um, crazy. Like I think he kicked two goals for and had like twenty-five or odd disposals, but something like seventeen score involvements, which apparently is some sort of record as well. So. If he kicked straight as well, he could have had, had an absolutely huge game, Tommy Papley. And then you've got yeah players like Isaac Heaney as well coming back to some form. He's um he's such an an enigma as a player as as he like he comes up in a game like this, kicks four, and like oh he could easily be like a, a top five player in the comp, but he just sort of can't really put it together for a consistent season. So I mean if if he gets going in finals, the Swans could definitely be a threat, but. I think this game sort of said a bit more about the dogs' season. Really, just sort of summed it up in a bit of a, a whole game. Like they, um, they've got the star power, but you know they just can't really put it together. Problems at either end with like you know it's an order or bust up forward, and then their backline just looks shaky. And um, I'm a bit bit worried this week though, as a Saints supporter coming up against the dogs with Bailey Smith back. But you know it's effectively season done for the dogs after this one, I reckon. Yeah, it's not the week to get the dogs after two pretty average performances in a row. Um, you're right about Isaac Heaney, such a tease because he, he can, you watch if you watch his highlights package or, or just him individually, he can do anything. He can mark it, he can run through the middle. Um, his hands are great. He's got a great um, kicking field and for goal, but then he just doesn't get himself involved enough. And sometimes you wonder is he playing like the high half forward where you sort of don't typically get so many touches or is he just going through the motions? It, it, it's a pretty hard to get a read on it, but you got Papley's... Kick- like um like Mills has sort of taken that mantle as the, the main midfielder in the team and sort of really elevated himself, whereas you probably look at Heaney and sort of think that he's got more talent than Mills, but he, uh, as you're sort of saying, just doesn't really have a position that he can kind of nut down as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, Mills is a, one of the co-captains, so he's obviously very highly rated in there. Um, Papley's kicked two five. Lance's kicked two five. Again, <laughs> if they kicked a little bit straighter, this could have been real ugly for the uh, for the dogs. But um, it sort of sums up the dog season. Inconsistent. I mean, I think this is Tim English's first game back for a little while. Um, he hasn't hasn't played terribly, but hasn't set the world on fire like they were talking about at the start of the year. Um, yeah, they were talking um, potential All-Australian for Tim English at the start of the year, but injuries just sort of held him back. Um, and, yeah, I mean, first game back can't be too harsh on him, but it's just a very crucial game for the Dogs and to drop it by 50 points isn't, yeah, isn't great. And, I mean, if we were sort of doing a grade for it, have to give probably a, a distinction for the Swans as well as a, 
just a genuine um, smashing for them as well. Like after the, the game last week against Essendon where they were challenged for um, not really being competitive, they just really sort of put the foot down in the first quarter. Um, and then I guess for the dogs, like has to have to send them to the coordinator for this one. I mean, if you don't send them after this game, you're not really going to season on the line, have to perform and they just weren't anywhere near it. Yeah, I, I agree. See, like season on the line, oh, and you're tossing it up. Well, it's in Sydney. I think Sydney will win that, but the dogs have got so much more to play for. The Swans were disappointing last week. You know, you sort of it's it's so tight, and then it looked like a top four side playing a bottom eight side. The way they sort of came out and just just got on with the job. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm happy with the coordinator for the dogs, and yeah, I mean they play the Saints. They could. Beat the Saints, but they're still sitting I'm on more, nine. I'm worried for Friday night. <laughs> oh, well, you could be. We, we'll get to the Saints. We'll get to the Saints. There's, there's probably a lot to dissect there, and and you know, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll, I'm sure Tom will come back as soon as the Saints win a game. And he, he's ready to talk, <laughs> but um, we'll, we'll get there. Like for the Dogs, like I'm just I'm just looking forward. So they play the Saints. Yep, they could win that, but then they got to beat the D's, and then they play Geelong. Like these are tough. Then, then they play Frio. Thank God it's over here. And then the Giants, but we know the Giants hate yeah. them. Grudge match. Uh, and, and the Hawks. So they might like the the one win you'd give them based on form and everything else this year is they'll beat the Hawks. But the Giants might come out, and that might be the Giants' last real game of the year where they want to get a win. Um, the other three are the top three on the ladder, and then there's the Saints. So. Um, if they get three wins from there, that still only gets them to 11. And, well, 11's Collingwood at, at sitting at sixth. So that's yeah, certainly not going to be enough. The same, so yeah. yeah, so they're going to need they're going to need to knock off some of these top teams to prove they're still a finals chance. And it doesn't look like they've got it because no avenues to goal, no way to stop goals. Um, as, as well as they went last year, you sort of couldn't question the list build at that point. You'd have to start questioning it now with a lack of key forwards. And and again, I think I've said this before, don't give me the Josh Bruce who's coming back because he's tries his heart out, but he's a he's a serious plotter. He's Josh Bruce. Um, yeah, I mean you you never think that like Josh Bruce's value has gone absolutely skyrocketed, like what since he's done, you know, his ACL. He's gonna be like he's being talked as being the savior, but it's hard to see, you know, Brucey do love him, but he yeah, as you're saying, he's a stopgap, he's not the main man and um they've got yeah many many more problems going forward as well and for me they just look banged up as well like you look at um Aaron Norton he's carrying a knee injury of some sort and the bond's been injured all year um McRae can have as much of the footy as he wants but you know he doesn't really hurt you too much with it and they've had to move Trelaw to a back flank because they've got too many um midfielders which I thought was a very strange move by Bevo and he just does he does these things, I reckon, Bevo, where he plays players out of position. Like you look at someone like Johannesson, who was an enormous Smith winning halfback, and he's he's struggling as a half forward now, and Bevo just refuses to move him back. You've got like Ed Richards, who he tried to have as a um, half forward, who's now gone back to halfback where he plays his best footy and he's starting to play well. So I reckon Bevo just needs to sort of be a bit more simplistic with some of their um Positional moves. Yeah, I I do love that Bevo tries it, but he just seems to try to pull the weirdest levers and pull uh, just just the oddest changes, like Trelaw to a back flank. Well, 
I've watched him play a lot of good footy through the middle. It's probably where he needs to play. But again, they recruited him. All they've done is recruit mids. And I guess it works till it doesn't. So you'd have to think like a Dunkley obviously wanted to get out to Essendon. You'd have to think they sort of go, like, do you want to go? Like, we'd love to try and get something. Potentially for him. It's, yeah. Yeah, we'd love to try and get something back so we can sort of balance our list a little bit better rather than, you know, it's not that we don't want you. We just, you know, if you do want to go. Um, so that'll be interesting what they do because still some of those key mids are not, they're not like aging. It's not a case of, um, you know, Hawthorne 2017, 18, where it's like, well, you're getting on. We're not going to win a flag by keeping you around and rejuvenating the list. Let's try and move you on. You know, the, the, the mids are still right in that window where they can really have an impact over the next five years. So, a bit to play out there. Obviously, they're linked heavily to Roy Lobb, who we believe it's almost a mm. foregone conclusion that he's on the way out, which leads me to believe it's a foregone conclusion. Uh, uh, what's his name from Melbourne? Lukey Jackson. Yeah, he's Jackson, on yeah. his way across. Yeah, when Domino falls. <laughs> but uh, that remains to be seen. But, uh, yeah, look, disappointing from the Dogs and the Swans. Well, they're still an enigma. I don't, still don't know what to make of them, but they're going to be bottom half of the eight. Uh, whether they win or lose week one, whoever they play is going to have a tough final. Um, and then they've got the star power to win probably one or two finals, but I can't quite see them going all the way. Uh, but they're certainly not um, They're not making up the numbers in the eight. I, I feel like there might be one or two that will make up the numbers. I don't think the Swans are one of them. You just don't quite, you know, that lost to Western and still, I'm still baffled by it. Um, but anyway... Yeah, it's a bizarre one, but they did kick themselves out of it. But one of those teams, I'm sure you might be thinking, might be making up the numbers. Sauce was uh, Collingwood, and they played North Melbourne on the Saturday afternoon. And what you'd have to say was a pretty spirited effort by North Melbourne. I mean, they played all but uh, I reckon about 20 minutes into the last quarter. We're looking the better team for the whole day, but the Pies just sort of um, ran over the top of them in the end and got away with a. Um, I uh, got away with one of the pies. I reckon they were definitely right for the picking in this one. So, yeah, but seven on the trot. So they're just going from strength to strength in a way. Yeah, look, obviously I watched it. Wear my heart on my sleeve a little bit. Um, I knew we were on in the first quarter because we we weren't losing at quarter time. Like that was a big sign that we were were on. Um, And... I, I think this might be the worst 11 win side I've ever seen after round 17. Like, they're. You don't, you don't rate them. Oh, not in the slightest. If they make the eight, well done to them. But that is that is the team making up the number. Um, I mean, they, if you look at their percentage, yeah, like you're saying, it, it's what, 106, which is lower than three, four teams actually that aren't in the eight right now. So, yeah, yeah, it, it's. Yeah, I certainly wasn't impressed. Um, obviously, they still did well to stay in the game and hang around and, and obviously run over the top of us. So it's not me spitting sour grapes um, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but, like, you just have questions on on how they go against, against the real top sides. And, um, you know, like... Larky's kicked five. They obviously missed Darcy more, but you know if they maybe have to play Carlton, they've got Harry Mackay and Charlie Kernow. So Darcy Moore can't play on two. You've got 
Cameron and Hawkins. Um, even Buddy and Sam Reed, like Sam Reed's not a world beater by any stretch, but someone's got to go to him. Um, you know, Nick Larkin. interesting to see um, if they do make it the pies, like who they play. Like if you look at the um, bottom half of the eight at the moment, you'd have Carlton play Richmond in the first final and Collingwood in the Swans. So you'd probably put the, the Swans over them in, in that one if you're looking at it now. You would. Yeah, absolutely would. Um, I think Collingwood, it, this, this is where my head was after the game. The Collingwood of 2022 are Essendon of 2021. So Essendon <laughs> snuck in on 11 wins and were bounced out pretty quickly. Um, and, and if you look at both teams, they probably played out of their skin to get to those points of the year and, and weren't up to it. And, and that's what Collingwood are going to be. Whether that's a good or a bad thing, I don't know yet because they were obviously terrible last year. Um, last year under Bucks, made the switch halfway, got over the D's on Queen's birthday, um, still ended up with what would have been pick two, I think. So they picked two or yeah. pick three. Well, they, they traded it um, famously to, to the, the Giants, Giants in the, the future pick, but they still got Dacos with it. So, well, yeah, they, draft, yeah. They no, no, no. So they were pick two because yeah. the Giants then bid on Dacos at two. Um, ironically, their pick was the one that was bidding on him. But yeah, so for all intents and purposes, they were terrible. New coach, they've come out and the real spirited effort. Like they're playing good footy and it's exciting for the fans, but how good are they? Are, are they a team? Because what we found out, Essendon suddenly had a harder draw this year and they've been terrible. So I, I can absolutely see Collingwood playing a final, losing, tougher draw next year, missing the eight. Because I, I I'm not a big fan of their young talent. I reckon that this is probably more about where I kind of thought they could be, especially after we played them in round one. I, I remember um, I sent them to the coordinator um, when they lost to West Coast early in the year when I was on uh, the pod for the other time and sort of thought it was a bit sort of uh, rating the pies too much. But if you look at this is effectively the same team that was playing in finals in 2020 and then prelims the year before. So they still have the, um, the remnants of... Um, you know, the grand final team from a few years ago. And then they absolutely fall off the wagon last year and bottom out and then, you know, top up this year with a few sort of good young players like getting Nick Dacos in the team who was always going to be an absolute, um, you know, step in, roll goal kind of player as well. So I sort of see the Pies as they're probably exceeding a bit of expectation. You probably think that they should be sitting with the um, the teams just outside the eight um, on based on the, the close wins that they have had. I think they've had something crazy, which is oh, something like four or five games by under 10 points, um, which, you know, in most years, if you just split that, then they're out of the eight right now. But you look at their um, their fixture, the way it's kind of going, it's looking unlikely. I mean, they could win. Apparently, they could win 10 in a row if you look at the next few games as well, which is crazy to think that this Collingwood team that um, finished second last last year could go on a spree like that this year. But... There's there's a bit of talk that they could even make top four sauce, which I nah, think is a bit nah, nah. a bit much, but no, nah, you're right on the close losses. I think they were one and five in games decided by less than ten points last year, and that probably bumps them down. And then this year it's gone, it's evened out over two years, but it's all in the one year. And yeah, Port Adelaide, I think, were five and one or six and zero oh in games less than a goal or, or less than ten points. And so their ladder position obviously last year was a bit inflated and that looked like that come um, 
the the big finals, and then obviously they've they've had a drop down. So, um, I think that's fair. I'm probably not giving Collingwood their credit for for having a good year. Um, I guess I'm just asking questions about where they're they're really at because if I look at their best players in this game, um, the two Dacos brothers were pretty good. Um, Nick's scared of a hard ball yet, but he's still. <laughs> 19 and playing exceptionally well for a kid that age. So just let him develop that. I just had to get that slide in. Um, Pendlebury's 34. Don't know how much longer he's going to go on. Um, Taylor Adams, 28, 29. Jeremy Howe, 32. Jamie Elliott, 29. Um, Crisp is 28. Like they're, they're not guys who in the next two, three, four years are going to be starting to make a run. They're going to be retiring as we go. So um, yeah, side, side bottoms, 31. Um, Hoskin Elliott, 28. Like, yeah, even Darcy Cameron's 26 and Grundy's 28. Like, you know, there's they're, they're going the other way. Mason Cox, 31. Um, well, so, what do you think then of um, the talk about them getting Dan McStay as well? Who, um, there's a bit of talk it's going to be a five year, I think, three million. Um, so what, three million? So that's what, 600,000 a year. The Damix Day, which you know, they do like key position players, but you'd be hard pressed to say that he would actually be your um, number one number one man. Oh forward. no, that, that that's massive overs, isn't it? Um, I think there's an element of them being linked to him because they're Collingwood, and they're often linked to players for no real good reason. Um, obviously they do need forwards, so there's definitely a link there. Um, but he'd fit the Jesse White, Quinton Lynch model of of yeah, being so big and, and playing big but not actually being that good um and i i can absolutely see it happening but if i'm a collingwood fan not at that price especially given the salary cap hell they sort of went through with Trelaw and and having to pay part of that wage and and um having to sort of uh, uh, maybe they got the right end of this deal but letting stevenson go um not wanting to pay him you know that they yeah. What, what what are your thoughts on um on Stevenson actually? So, so I've seen a bit of commentary about uh pe- like people getting into his body language and just not really caring very much as well. Like as a Roo supporter, what do you think about the the Stevenson trade for you guys? Well, it's an easy target, isn't it? Team's not playing well. He shirks a couple. Let's let's pick him to sort of go after. Um, but if you watched him at Collingwood and remember he's twenty three, he's not twenty eight. But if you watched him at Collingwood. He was never that player, and any Collingwood fan will tell you he wasn't big on contact and things, and he was always going to be the cream on top. He's never going to be one of your inside, your engine room sort of battlers, um, and we've always lacked cream on top. We've, we've you know, we've had years of, of you know, real solid in and under type players, and they get it out to plotters on the outside who can't get anywhere. So I can see what they were thinking with the trade, and obviously... We have pick four in that draft in Davies Uniac, who's if he, over the last month, he's been just about the best mid how, in the game. How good was he on the weekend as well? Oh, he's amazing. Um, yeah, I reckon there's an individual who probably needs to pull his car over, stop, write in an apology about writing him off last year because um, <laughs> he, he did write him off. He's had the most disposals, the most tackles, like, the, you know, most tackles and disposals certainly don't go hand in hand. Um, but yeah, he, he was picked four in that draft. Stevenson was picked six, who won the Rising Star. Stevenson's at a bit of a crossroads in a lot of ways now, but I'm, I'm not 
if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I think it was ironically worth a gamble sending a second round pick for that player. Yeah, I mean, um, you got him, you got him on the cheap as well. And do you remember last year? I think there, he had a couple of games where he had 35, 38 playing yeah. as a midfielder. So he definitely can still do it, but just whether he has that actual determination to really make it and whether he kind of wants it. Um, yeah, it's still, you know, wait, wait to be seen kind of thing. It's been very hard for a lot of people to perform in this side. So I sort of wait and see what happens with our next coach. And yes, I'm talking as though he's been sacked and he hasn't. Um, he's another one in the long list of coaches to coach against our own son and not win. Um, I don't oh. think the, the, the dad's not won the, co- not won the game yet. I saw a thing um, during the week which was saying, imagine if the, the pies are two points down with um, a minute to go and then John Noble has a, um, a shot after the siren to, to win the game. And uh, does, he, does he get his, his old man sacked if he kicks it? <laughs> and going into the last quarter, I'm like, oh, this could, uh, this could eventuate. <laughs> yeah, it, it's an interesting thought. It, uh, whether we won or lost this, I think the writing's on the wall for old Noble. Um, but that's that'll play out. Um, we've got to grade this one, so it's probably a, it's a pass or a distinction for North. I don't really know what I should do. I probably only want to pass them because they finally showed some effort, um, and they'll probably come out and, and wet the bed this week against Richmond. Um, and you could almost send Collingwood to the coordinator, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pass them because it's just another win. A win's a win. And they I'm telling you now, Sammy, that you just you just need to keep getting them. No matter how you do it, you get four points, you move on, you worry about it next week. Well, that's it for yeah, the pies. I mean, if I could, I'd probably give more the credit if if I was allowed to, but I understand that those aren't in the uh, the grading system that we go by. So not. I'll give um I'll give North a pass and yeah, probably give Collingwood a pass as well. It was just needing to get the four points and run, really. I mean, absolute danger game and yeah, they did well just to get the win and get the win there in the end. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think it's just critical in these next few rounds. If you just if you're still ticking over with wins, you're doing something right. Um, Horn Francis kicked a ripping goal, forty five out. He's non preferred um, in the VFL, the early game across the road. So that was certainly worth watching from a North Melbourne fans' point of view. Um, we move up the. Uh, up north, Gold Coast and Richmond. Richmond had this one sewn up. I don't know if you were watching this or just keeping an eye on it, yeah, but it looked like it was, it was it was done. And and I thought, oh, don't tell me they have announced Stewie Dew's extension and now they're serving this up. Um, I felt real bad for him, but um, Richmond, you you wouldn't think a three time experienced Premiership side would just give up a four goal lead with eight minutes to go, but they did. There's a minute 50 left on the clock and it was still two kicks in it and they lost that game. And that's not – for all this talk about Richmond can win the flag, I think they're dangerous. Just just give it a rest. They're not. They've got some good players. They can play patches of good footy, but they were absolutely lucky in that 2020 season that the quarters were shortened because as you get older, um, playing that manic pressure style is a lot harder to sustain and that was a lot easier to sustain on those shorter quarters. So um, – they, yeah, look, should have won this by all rights. Lost, and the Suns are now still fighting for that last spot in the eight. And if you look yeah, at their run home, they're something. a real chance. Yeah. You'd have to say for the Suns that this would be like, I feel like this gets brought out every single time the Suns win, like have a 
unexpected win like this, but you'd have to say this would be almost the um, one of the greatest wins in their history. I mean, I know there's the Carmichael Hunt shot after the siren, but I mean, talk about Noah Anderson, talk about clutch. He was just enormous and not even just the final shot at the, the end of the game. He, um, even in that last quarter, kicked a, kicked a goal and just looked like he was just taking the game by the absolute scruff of the neck. And when he, when he took that mark, you could just see no looking around to pass it off. He was just like, ah, this is the moment and I'm going to kick it. And at no point did he look like he was going to shank it or anything. He was just so, uh, so cool with it. And it makes you think he's potential captain after Tuke Miller down the track as well. I mean, for all the talk that um, Matty Rao has as being the number one pick in that draft, Noah Anderson at pick two is looking pretty decent. And he's just got a bit of a point of difference. And I'm a bit of a... I'm a bit of a believer in the Suns that even if they don't make it this year, that they're definitely on the right way. And, um, you know, you throw Isaac Rankin and Ben King into that team on the weekend and they've definitely got an absolute bevy of, of talent as well. And, um, yeah, but I guess with the Tigers, this is actually – remember seeing this is – of the, the three games they've lost in the last sort of seven or so rounds, this is another one that they had a pretty decent lead going into the – the final quarter and just um, gave it up as well. So whether that's just discipline or getting ahead of themselves, you know, they've, they've cost themselves three pretty gettable wins. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have. Um, I mean, that's, it was it Castagna running into the open, more or less open goal. He's managed to get yeah, himself smothered like that. Was, comes out of nowhere. and Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was shades of the Richmond of old. that didn't know how to win. Not, this triple premiership side. So, um, you, yeah, you, you'd be pretty disappointed as a Tigers fan having it all but all but sewn up. And then, yeah, last minute, last second, no seconds left. Noah Anderson slots it. Um, and, yeah, oh, he's, been, he's been a talent. He's had it on display since, since his early days. But Matty Rowell had the three best on grounds to start his career and that's all everyone's talked about yeah. um which which is fair enough it was pretty pretty impressive but yeah no Noah anderson is equally as good and you everyone people might talk well who should who should have gone first one or two well they had picks one and two as the last priority yeah. pick so you can see how much it helps um if, if clubs can get that sort of thing um so a fantastic um fantastic win obviously no Tom Lynch, no Dusty Martin. There were a few players to come back for the Tigers, but um, you still would have thought they get as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, he keeps getting hurt every time he plays and runs. He he gets hurt. I don't know if he's going to be a, a key finals cog, um, but remains remains to be seen. Um, I'd have to I'd have to distinction the Suns and and fail the Tigers. I'd almost coordinated the Tigers for the way they finished the game off, but I am believer. I did tip the Suns. Did tip the Suns. Very happy with that result. Yeah, it's funny. I, I sort of think about that as well. Like, because of the way the game finished, I'm probably more thinking I might give them an HD, but you probably would have said that at home, if the Suns want to play finals, they should just be winning this game. So, I'm with you. So, I'll say, yeah, I reckon I might give them a, a distinction. And then for the Tigers, I'm, I'm actually going to send them to the coordinator for this effort. Just, I just like for it. their actual discipline in the in the last, last quarter, they gave away 50s, like silly free kicks, you know, there's that goal in the last um, two minutes, like over the back to troll shouldn't have happened. And then, um, yeah, they just gave away too many free kicks and it just keeps on costing them in, in games um, throughout this year. Just 
Yeah. Yeah. Giving up big leads as well. They do, and they have, since they've been successful, they have played unsociable football, a bit like the Hawks. They do cross the line, they do punch, and, and, Lots of little cheap shots after kicks go and things like that. Um, it doesn't matter when you're winning, but when you're losing, it's magnified. And it's like, well, why are you doing that? You haven't got the ball. You're not winning. Why, why are you doing the cheap shots? Um, and they then wonder why the umpires feel like they're against them. Well, you know, you got a little bit to little bit to blame yourselves there. Um, now, I know umpires may come up as we review the next one, but Saturday night, <laughs> we're going to talk Marvel Stadium, St Kilda hosting Frio. Um, Saints were out to a bit of a flyer, probably could have been a little bit further in front. There's a very late goal to a, I'll say, contentious chopping of the arms free kick that uh, in my books wasn't there, um, which gave Frio a late goal in the second quarter. One of many. Uh, Okay. And it was, from there, it was three goals to 11 after halftime. Yeah, well, so I was actually at a um, at Holly's dad's 60th while we had the, the game on for this one. So I was sort of intermittently getting out, um, watching the, the first half, and we were looking um, looking the goods as well. I mean, I sort of thought the way the game was looking that we should have probably been further ahead at, in the start of the game, and the, um, the Dockers just sort of kept within that striking distance. And then um, we went off for speeches, and I come back, and the Saints are – 30 odd points down the game is done um but going back and looking at the stats particularly for that third quarter i think the the dockers had something crazy like of they had 14 inside 50s in the third quarter and they went in and scored from 11 of them so just every single time it was going in there they're really scoring and then um on the opposite way like the saints winning the inside 50s pretty comfortably for the match but you know still get done by 40 points so just missing that cohesion going forward which has been an issue in the last few weeks which is a bit bit of a concern i mean i feel maxi king is just doing what sort of young key forwards can do and getting a bit tired as the season gets on and then you just have um players out of um out of form as well and yeah but credit to the dockers they're a top four um team and they just put the uh the hammer to us in the in the second half yeah, there they are. They're a top four lock, just about. Um, when, when does Max? When does that Max King being young stop being an excuse for him? He's twenty-two. I know they take oh, a little well, bit longer to develop the key forwards. I think for um for Maxi, also got to remember that he missed a whole year with his like with his knee and ACL getting back, and I think for him, yeah, the hype was there for him in the first half of the year, so I guess there isn't really that excuse, but. You still look at um, most key forwards in the competition, and the difference is also he is two hundred centimeters. So some of the stuff that he does do, but I would think that yeah, you sort of if you compare him to Ben, who Ben was always a year ahead. Um, ben did kick, I think, about forty-seven goals last year, so you're sort of tracking in a similarish way to him. Um, but yeah, I guess yeah, no real sort of excuses if the Saints are wanting to play finals that. You know, they're, they're, we are sort of tailing off towards the end of the year with um with Maxi there as well. Yeah, well, it goes to show that loss to the Bombers that really puts a well, dent it, in the it season. The time as well, it it stung. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you win that, even though you've sort of lost a couple since. You're still sitting on ten wins, so you'd be inside the eight, and then 
you're still controlling your destiny a little bit. Now you've got a worse percentage than all of the top 12. Um, and I, I, well, your percentage out of the eight. So it's not as though the hope's gone. It's more the, the run home. You've got, you know, yeah, a, a dog side coming off a couple of bad losses. And you had the Perth to play the Eagles. So it's not the, the worst road trip, but I think they're going to be. They showed against Carlton in patches. They can still play some good footy. Um, the Hawks at Marvel, you'd think you'd win, but then you've got to go down to Geelong at GMHBA. You've got to host the Lions. You finish off against the Swans, who, you know, probably not a, a game you'd be super confident going into. So um, you just got to find a way to win one of these games that it looks like you probably won't, and then could flip the script on your season. Yeah, well... I've been given a bit of mail about this game as well, that there are a few pretty contentious um, free kicks that we did miss in that third quarter. I think it was um, Jordan Clark was uh, run down, which clear holding the ball. And then Brad Hill picks it up, goes, takes two steps, gets tackled. And then that's holding the ball goes down and the, the Dockers get a, uh, um, an easy goal and then go on a bit of a run from that. I mean, I know get done by 40 points in the end, but, it's one of those things where with footy being such a game of momentum, it sort of went to, to the dockings from, from there. But I mean, yeah. I, I wonder weekend, if the free kicks yeah. were even would free L one by more. <laughs> oh, it's it was, it was 22 free, free kicks. kicks to 17. And then, yeah, but it's where about, it's where the free kicks are sauce. And also the ones that, um, you know, the ones that are there not being paid as well, but Anyway, I could harp on about it all, all, all night. At the end of the day, we just weren't really good enough or were outclassed by um, a very good football team in, in the Dockers. I mean, Andy Brayshaw, he's got to be in all Australian sort of form. He's Brownlow medal form. Yeah. 36, and, um, 11 tackles. How good is he? Yeah, and you've got Sean Darcy and I think um, Will Brody as well kicks two goals. So he's just really sort of showing how... Um, how good he is, former top 10 pick and really sort of actually flourishing under uh, Justin, Justin Yeah, Justin Longmire. Yep. Yeah, Longmire. <laughs> yeah, no, he's um, he's doing good things. The one thing I loved, and I'm a big, I'm a big purple man, um, he's not afraid to make adjustments. So things weren't quite going the Dockers way and at half time. They're happy to move the magnets, happy to change things up, and they come out a different team. It's happened about three or four times this year where after halftime they've made adjustments. Um, and I think one of the stupidest things the coaches do is where they back in their own systems and go, yep, no, we, we don't want to tag. We don't want to stop that. We're going to back ourselves in. Um, sometimes you just have to stop that one player who's killing you, and it's not at the expense of your system. You have to do it. Now, I'm not talking you have to tag like Voss, Akamanis, Black, Daryl White, um, Luke Power, you can't like you don't have to tag five guys, but you got to find the one who's really hurting you, and find a way to stop it. Um, which I think a lot of coaches in the modern era too, I'll back my system in to these. I'll back my players in. You know, I'm a players coach. They'll get on top. Um, he's certainly not afraid to do it, and the game certainly flipped after halftime. Um, I do, I do have a mailbag on this one. I don't know if it's so much a mailbag as more a poignant question. Uh, I was thinking we'd uh, we'd move on, so I think we talked about this uh, this game enough. Yep, yeah, well, we can move it, move it on. Um, well, this is less of a mailbag and more a statement. <laughs> um, but it just says, 
um, tell Tom to get stuffed. We stuck it right up him. King is no good. It's obviously Max King. That's all the message said. Um, sent it sort is of 10. Anonymous? Is there a name to that one or is that anonymous? anonymous? Uh, it was a Neeson behind it. Um, oh, so it, it was Kieran Neeson. Big, big Freo man, big fan of the podcast. Um, and uh, he said more or less the exact same words to me. He's about two months ago now. Um, not a fan of Higgins, who left school to go and pursue footy. Uh, and I don't know. He was really holding on to that one. I got that at about 10 to 1. Um, funnily enough, didn't get any Pies mailbags directly after they won this week. It didn't get any D's mailbags directly after they played this week. So it seems to be a very consistent theme of teams playing well to then getting mailbags from those supporters. Um, a bit of a correlation there, Sauce. There really is. I'm surprised we didn't get any from uh, old... I forget what Tom has his alias as, but Blues Man 53 or whatever his name is. Um, All right, we've got to grade this. I'm a HD for for the Dockers and I'm a coordinator for the Saints. Yeah, uh, I reckon probably just go a a pass for the Dockers. I mean, they actually bump it up to a distinction for it, but they, they put in a pretty good effort. But as a top four team, they just sort of, did what they needed to and yeah for the saints season on the line have to win and there's a spot in the eight um you know brett radden after the game said there was a spot in the eight available and we just weren't able to take it so yeah i'm going to send us to the coordinator as well and sets up this week between the the saints and the dogs who are you know both uh both on the edge of potentially playing finals you know needing a win that's a big that's a big one. that's friday night isn't it Mm, yeah, that's a big one. Game. That's a yeah. big one. Uh, there was another game hidden behind this backdrop. Um, the yeah, Port Adelaide hosted the Giants. Oh, yeah. This one was massively hidden over there in Adelaide. Um, obviously on on Fox, the Giants didn't didn't really give much. It was like Port Adelaide thought, "Hey, if we can get a big win, get some percentage, we're still an outside chance." And <laughs> they're not wrong. Like yeah. they're a game and percentage out, but stranger things have happened. So. Um, full credit to them and and the Giants. I mean, Spike McVay is getting some credit for for giving them back on track and they're playing well and they are. But then they're also not. Some weeks they're coming out and doing this and getting belted. So it, it I I don't know how much like once your coach is out, your season's a little bit of a write off, isn't it? You, you blood some young kids, you do some things, but you're not you're yeah, not you setting the world a bit on of a fire. Free hit as well. You can just play as attacking as you want and then. You know, you, you, um, coaches and boards get sucked into a coach that plays attacking footy because it looks good, but then, you know, they step into the actual role and then they have to teach defence and then the attacking brand goes out the window and then things kind of fall apart. So um, tough game, though, for, yeah, for for the Giants with this, but I'll throw one out for you for this one, Sauce. Connor Rosie in this game, he's, he's a, secretly having a very good year um, this bloke, he, you know, out of that 2018 super draft, so I think it was pick five as well. Um, he's kicked four goals, four goals, two actually, and had 24. And he's, I reckon, almost a, a sneaky all Australian chance. Uh, is Connor Rosie make the squad? But I had a look the um before, he's actually in the top, uh, I think, banging on, I think he might be sixth in the um coaches' votes for the year, so he's actually had a underrated year, I reckon. He's um, starting to show that kind of promise as a half-forward 
genuine kind of midfield type player and he just had an absolute string in this game. Yeah, he did. I mean, he's kicked more he's kicked more goals than the Giants. So that used to be reserved for, you know, the, you know, the full forwards, pluggers and Dunstall who kicked 12 or 14 or something. Um, he's kicked four and that's more than the other team. Well, three goals um, 11. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I shouldn't laugh because it's happened to North so many times in, in recent years. But no, he's um he's eight in the coaches' votes. But uh, there is a name he's, a, he's ahead of. He's ahead of Sam Walsh. And I thought Sam Walsh cool. was the better player of that draft. But uh, the coaches don't seem to agree with us. Um it's uh, just a little tidbit. It, rather than trying to pick one over the other, just, yeah, they're both good players. Um, Walsh good <laughs> Walsh is getting better and better, but Rosie's come on probably a lot better than sort of I expected. Um, but uh, he, yeah, I mean, I do rate the coaches votes a little bit higher than, say, your media experts, ex-players. You know, yeah, I, I do love um, my man Kane Corns and Corn, but... Uh, you know, he's obviously been a big perpetrator of the Rosie over over Walsh talk. Um well, he's gone he's gone back onto it. He he backed down last year when Walshy was all Australian, but I think he's um you know, he, he's he's brought it back up again as well. And I mean, does have a little little bit of a point in that Rosie is gonna be a match winner, point of difference type player, whereas I mean Walshy has that in him, but he's just more that consistent, um consistent player week in, week out, which if you're drafting, you're probably going to take because they're just more bankable. Yeah, and it, in looking at them, it also depends what the team needs at the current time. And you know, it, in in three years, Port Adelaide might have all these good players, and they've actually had a few over the years, like your wing guards, um, Motlop, you know, who can do some out of the box things, but then don't have impact through quarters and games. Um, whereas in then you might really want a Walsh, whereas Carlton might get to a point where, yeah, we've got Cripps doing great stuff in the middle. We've got all these mids who are doing good stuff. We kick it up forward, Kerno or Mackay Market, but then who's the X factor? Like who's who's the forward, who's the smaller forward, and they might wish they had a Rosie. It just depends on where your list is at at the time. I don't think either club's too disappointed with what they got. Um, it's just... I don't even know if it's an interesting debate anymore. Like we're getting that far into the career that yeah, they're both good players. Like it's, it's I still hear it. Who won the Judd Kennedy trade? Kennedy's just been the first yeah. player to kick seven hundred goals for West Coast, um, which is I think the third or fourth time this year he's kicked his seven hundred something because he did it on the weekend and it was touched on the line, so it got called back, and then he did it again. So, um, oh, but that, it, yeah. that 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 trade keeps getting talked about as to, as to who won that and. Well, is it I the Premiership or the Brownlow uh, Medalist? It's pushed by Kane Corns, though, because it's interesting that, like, you know, he chooses Rosie and Walsh, whereas, you know, you've got Max King, you've got Isaac Rankin, you've got Bailey Smith, who are all sort of in that um, top end of that draft. But, yeah, he sort of chooses um, Connor Rosie to compare Sammy Walsh to. But, I mean, looking for this game as well, the Giants, can you see them bouncing up the, the ladder next year? There's a bit of talk that, you know, new coach will come in and they could do a bit of a Carlton and and sort of bounce up the ladder next year. But, you know, games like this, it sort of makes you sort of question whether they it will be a bit of a, a quick bounce, as some people have thought. Yeah, or well, their list has changed a little bit. And I know they've got, you know, Hogan in, Himmelberg goes forward to back. 
but they used to have Jonathan Pat and Jeremy Cameron, Rory Lobb, like those names lining up down forward. And now it's Jesse Hogan who's on his third club. Yeah. I just think they're missing, and they might get a chance to draft one, but missing a a real strong keep. They might even have one on the list. Like they've got players on the list you never heard of, and then you realise, oh, yeah, he was a top five pick. He was a top seven yeah. pick. Like they've just got them sitting there. So might be on the list, but I, I they kicked three goals in this game, so that might sort of support my argument a little bit that they need. They need someone down there to, to sort of really start taking hold of it. But they're, they're one I probably have to watch a little bit closer and do a little bit more homework on to sort of get an idea of what they really need. Um, but you don't want to be having losing by 55 points, kicking three goals. That's It's not on any level, um, regardless of whether you're rebuilding, coach gone, whatever. Um, so probably a disappointing for them. I'm, I'm fully prepared to give Porter HD and coordinator the Giants. Um, it was a it was a trouncing. It was like Port Adelaide last year being a top four side. You know they all over them start to finish and, and never let up. So I reckon probably just give Porter pass with this one and fail the Giants. I think it's a pretty stock standard to script type of game. I mean, fifty five points is a fair margin, but. Don't know if the margin really matters too much to the Giants and Port will just take the extra percentage as well and be on their way. Yeah, that's true. Maybe I've um maybe I've graded it a little bit too high given um given the Giants ladder standing. It is pretty much triple their score though, so it's a, that's one way to get a nice little percentage booster. Yeah, um, true, yeah. <laughs> and it's still in the hunt. It's still in the hunt, the power, which you know, after an 0-5 start is a somewhat impressive thing to say. Um, the early game Sunday, Brisbane hosting Essendon, a raft of uh, illness going through the lines, a lot of unavailabilities, COVID. Um, it was hit yeah, hard. The, the Bombers pretty much hit, played half of uh, the Lions, you know, best 22 as well. And a lot of talk that it's it's a famous win for the Bombers, which was a, a great win for them. But they really, you know, Brisbane were decimated with both injury and COVID combined. And it's a bit ominous for the end of the season that COVID might still affect the uh, latter part of the year. Yeah, well, I think a memo went out to the Saints boys about staying um, isolated and not being groups and things like that. We don't want to derail our season. Um, I don't know why, because I think, their performance. Yeah, like one, the performance is what's derailing the season, but um, I'm pretty sure something did go out. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. Do you want to give the Bombers credit for showing up and beating a top side? Outs, outs are outs. They still had, you know, Lockie Neal still running around. Uh, Cam Rain is still down there. Hipwood, um, Big O, Charlie Cameron, like they're still McCluggage. They still got some names in there. Sack Bailey, Stasevich. Um, there's still some players there, but the, uh, obviously missing a few. Just to for the Bombers to back it up after last week, I think was a big step for them. But I actually think Kane Corn summed it up really well in that when the heat's off, the Bombers can play well. So now that the season's done, they seem to find some ways to get some wins and, and beat some teams that maybe they shouldn't. Whereas the start of the year when the expectation was high, they gave nothing. Geelong belted them. Sydney belted them. Um, and I think you, you take it with a grain of salt the next six weeks. 
you want to see them backing up and starting to get some wins. And uh, to me, getting getting to seven and eight, seven or eight wins, as opposed to sitting on five wins and getting pick three versus pick six or seven, I think is a big deal because you need to build something from where you were last year. Um, I mean, I think the the other interesting comparison in this game is obviously Joe Danaher used to play for the Bombers. Two meter mm. Peter, or as they're calling him now, the social media team at Essendon. I don't know what they smoke or, or drink down there, but he's two liter. Um, Peter Wright, he's two liter. You've got Rish and Rath and two liter. Um, I don't understand it. One day, maybe I will. Maybe I'm just getting old. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but um, to get a first round pick for Danaher and then to give up a fourth round pick for um, Peter Wright. Still, I, I still would say on his day, Danaher's a better player, but Peter Wright seems to have more better days. And the value, the money ball side of it, says the Bombers really won out in making those deals. Now, the question is, what are you then going to do with the first-round pick? Like, have you nailed those picks and are you going to sort of get somewhere with it? But, I mean, he's kicked five. He's Is he in All-Australian contention two metre, Peter? Oh, you'd have to say so. I mean, in a... You know, and a struggling team all year. He's been the consistent beacon up forward, and he's just so um, accurate in front in front of goal. Like if he marks it anywhere within fifty, you can genuinely have a a good crack at it. And I think it's another one of those ones that you look at the Suns, and for some strange reason, Stewie Jew, like Will Brody and Peter Wright's in the same category. He just didn't rate him as a player and didn't want to give him a fair go. But this is a bloke that was. Uh, a, Pretty sure a pick eight back in 2014 or um, when he was drafted. So he was a highly rated player and he always had a, a heap of talent. He used to like had a couple of games, I'm pretty sure, for the Suns that he kicked five. But yeah, for whatever reason, just couldn't get a consistent game. And it's taken up until now um, to be able to play with some sort of consistency. And he's looking, um, he's looking great, Peter Wright. I mean, what's he kicked for the years? He, up around 40, would he be? Or I think he has just hit the 40. Let me, where are my stats? Stats. I'm not interested in his rebound 50s. Goals, 2.5 a game. 40. Yeah, he's kicked 40, which um, given their woes, he should get to 50, and that's pretty impressive in a in a down year. Um, he's certainly doing a lot better than I. I had him pegged as sort of a second, third forward, um, where he's number one, number two. You know, you'd you'd probably ideally like – you'd like him to be second banana, I think, in a perfect world, but he can hold down that number one spot. He's just so big. And he'd have to be um, one of the best kicks for a bloke who's 200 some years as well. He's a, he's a great kick of the footy. And the other um, aspect of this – game I really liked for the um for the Bombers is uh one of my favorites from used to play for the Giants and uh Jai Caldwell probably had one of his better games. He got sent to Lockie Neal and kept Neal to 21 for the game and had Love 26 it. kicked a goal himself. He just has really sort of um been building a bit of form and I remember um when he was coming to coming back to Melbourne from the Giants I was very keen as a Saints supporter to get him. So I was spewing when the Bombers ducked in and got him as well. But I reckon, yeah, next few years he could go, go on to be one of the Bombers' best midfielders. He's got some um, just real sort of hard in and under type of player. And, um, yeah, 
I guess coming towards the end of the year, it sort of shows some positivity for the, for the um, Bombers going into next year, but too little too late. And you'd have to say it's a bit of a wasted year for the Bombers. Massive, massive wasted year. Um, we, we saw them last year. They beat some good sides. They got a bit of potential. Um, like I said, I think there's an element of them having a tougher draw this year, which has made it harder for them to win as many games as they did last year. But um, disappointing, and yet at the same time, there's some promise, I guess. And well, I know I'd feel this way, but I don't know how Essendon fans feel. It's just they're repeating the cycle. They go terribly. They pick someone. But yeah, they get a high pick. They they flip it round. They start building some momentum. They get to the finals. They don't win a final. They drop back down. You know, like yeah. they're it, always always two years away from uh, from making it. Yeah, and so that's uh, not a criticism. Like it, it, you can get into those cycles, and it's hard to get out. Um, I think my club might end up being in one for a little while, but um, they've just got to just just forget everything, and they just got to build and just try and keep winning and instill some of they probably need a bit of mongrel down there to be honest like i don't know i feel like they're all too nice people made that comment they're easy to play against i feel like that might sort of spill out and i think they're all uh, just a bit small as a midfield as well though like they they're all you know 180 like all all below as well so that's why i think uh play like corbell was something they really need he's one of the, the few sort of in and under and I suppose also for this game, um, Carl Langford being back in the team made a bit of a difference as a you know, link player and um, a taller type of midfield half forward that they don't really have or, or have had for the, the majority of the year. Yeah, he certainly made a, a big difference. He sort of been out for a lot of the year. Was his first game back last week or two weeks ago? I can't uh, remember. I think um, it was last week. But yeah. it, it, it's very recent. He's starting to find some form. Um, are you concerned with Brisbane dropping this one? Or are you just too many outs, too many injuries, too many things going against them? They've dropped it. Move on. You just got to win next week. Pick it back up and win next week. I mean, their form definitely is a bit of a worry. I mean, particularly after that game against the D's, like where they got absolutely smashed. They, you know, that was their sort of trying to see where they sort of um, measure up against the best, and they weren't anywhere near it. And then, I mean, this is a bit of a tough game. They had a lot of players out, so if they they nearly managed to to win it in the end. They didn't, but if they had managed to get over the end, um, over the edge, you'd be like, oh, it's not a famous win, but just a real sort of grit win. So, you know, Harris Andrews was a late out. He plays, they probably win. You know, Daniel Rich has a hamstring and Zorko just can't take a trip. So, um, yeah, a bit worried for the Lions. They've, they've really sort of missed this kind of window of opportunity for the last few years, really. Like they've, what I think it was, they've lost five out of their six finals they've been in. A couple by like under a goal, but even still, you're still losing them. And you know, as a Saints supporter, I know how you know it's all. You can be like real close, but you still just want to. You still have to just get over the uh, the edge uh, in the end. And yeah, for the Lions, they'll probably rue these last few years. Yep, they. I mean, they could. They can lose another four games in the run home. They they need to win. A big final, and if they're in the bottom half of the eight, they need to win two just to just to get to a prelim, and then like all bets are off once you get to a prelim for me. Um, I grade the Lions a fail, and I give the Bombers I'll give the Bombers a distinction because they still have beaten a top four side 
on the road, which is not something I reckon you would have said about the Bombers would be capable of at the halfway point of the year at all. See, I reckon, yeah, Lions definitely a fail and probably just give the, the Bombers a, a pass for this one. I mean, uh, it's a it's a great win, but at the end of the day, the Lions had half their team out and also the, the interruption with COVID would have affected coaching staff and, yeah, the whole footy club. So, yeah, um, no, nah, we do hate the Bombers here, so that's, that's a fair grade too. Uh, the the three twenty game at Marvel Channel Seven would have been thrilled to to get the sort of bottom of the table clash, but um, Adelaide are in a bit of a don't know what's going on over over there in Adelaide Hawthorne Hawthorne is the Hawthorne I've been talking very disparagingly about jumped them with six goals to one in the first quarter never looked back yeah it's the um, it's a bit of a battle for draft position this one I mean yeah the the Hawks jumped absolutely out of the box and then it's the, the Crows looked kind of likely throughout the game, but never really, really looked like they would be able to get anywhere near him. And it's an interesting one now because it, it sets up um, the bottom half of the, the eight for, for draft positions. I, I think, um, yeah, all teams from 13 through to 16 are all on five wins now. So yeah, it's a real, it was a real important win in terms of the draft position. And from what I understand so far in the draft, it's looking like there's a bit of a, top three and then it sort of goes to the next sort of group of players as well so um the hawks were sitting around that sort of 16th spot and have now jumped up to 14th so you know a good win for them but at the expense of a potential draft position at the end of the year yeah well it's interesting that's interesting because of the top three off the top of my head one of them will be uh oh that's true uh, brisbane What's yeah, father's son will uh, will Ashcroft Ashcroft most yeah. likely be going to yeah the Lions. Um, and then North will get the other two, won't they, with the priority pick? So that could <laughs> that could be a very interesting draft. But you, you're right, Hawthorne. Uh, they would have got some percentage. They would have been close to 16th, um, if not lower. Well, sorry, they couldn't have gone lower, but um, they would have been 15th or 16th had they lost this game. Um, I'm I'm being pretty vocal that. Pick four versus pick six. There's not much in it. You're better off getting wins where you can for your for your culture and your sort of team psyche. But um, they they were pretty good. I mean, Mitch Mitch Lewis, Lewis Mitchell, Mitchell Lewis. Um, yeah. I like mixing them up. Obviously, Sam Mitchell and Jordan Lewis left, and then this bloke came in. But he's kicked five. Um, he's probably had a pretty good year for a team that's that struggled. Um, 23-year-old, he's 199 centimetres. I was going to give him 200, but he's not quite there. Um, oh, it's, a, it's a great story, though. Like, it was a bit of the, um, yeah, bit of a joke when he was picked up that it was the Sam, Mitch- Sam Mitchell and Jordan Lewis, but he's actually turned into a very good key forward. And I think because he's missed um, four or so games throughout the year, I think his per goal, um, per goal a game average is actually higher than even Kono's at the moment as well. So... He's um, three goals a, a game. He's three yeah. goals a game, which is which is damn good in in this day and age. Um, there, Rory Laird. Now I just he's had forty two. Now that looks good. You know, you hear it forty two on the Dan's, forty two on the Carton Draft stat sheet. Oh, I just need to get the meters gained. He's only gained two hundred ninety eight meters. At one he's stage, he had fifteen. On, <laughs> yeah, at one stage, he had fifteen or twenty touches, and he gained like twelve meters. They were just dinky, divey, absolutely nothing. Um, and that's 
Yeah. I, I think Matty Crouch is in the same boat. He's had 28, but he's gained 102 metres. So the, the, some of those veterans, they know how to get their hands on the footy, but they then just sort of dish it around to each other and aren't sort of impacting the game enough. Um, you know, to have 42 in a losing side, but you're not really gaining any ground or, or getting anything out of it is great on one hand. Clearly trying, but I don't know if it's direction for him or the team or he's just out there trying to get a few touches to just sort of keep himself or, or keep his contract alive or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, um, a bit of the Tom Mitchell factor as well where, yeah, a lot of the ball but no real damage there. I mean, oh, he was a king. you were those type of players that um, – the Crows, like, yeah, you'd throw Matty Cratch into that and even Benny Keys is sort of, oh, he's a bit more sort of um, possession rather than sort of impact type player. So, I mean, if, you, if you're if you looking at these two teams going forward in, in the next few years, like, whose list would you say would be in the better sort of um, spot as well? Like, who, out of these two teams, who do you see sort of doing, jumping up the ladder in the next few years? That's a great question. Um I mean, do we know if Phil Thorpe's going to be a good key forward yet? Yeah. Like, like I've been critical of them, but I know, I know Hawthorne have a key forward they can rely on. I don't know. Adelaide have got Tex, who's still taking the number one, but he's either out or at least on one-year deals for the foreseeable future. Um, the Hawks have got some players there, but the Hawks are going to lose a bit. Like, Shields is going to go... Gunston obviously didn't play yeah, after the go, passing yeah. of his father. Um, McAvoy as well won't be there for too long. No, nah, um, even like guys like Luke Bruce, he's 31. He, he's been talked about with the Gold Coast for a couple of years. Charming. He'll be yeah. 27, 28. O'Meara, you know, yeah, you, you're right. You, you just don't. I guess I, I just, I don't know where they're sort of sitting and they, I feel. Yeah, it's a tough – you'd probably rather Hawthorns. I'd purely on the key forward, but, I mean, what, what Rochelle was, was great to start the first month, but he's, he's dropped off. Yeah, he's but, dropped right off as well, yeah. The first-year players, it's not – it's harsh to sort of expect that for a full year, but, um, you know, he's obviously a talented kid. Um, yeah, I mean, you sort of look at – um, I think the, the Hawks and Crow like, – like, Crows in last year's draft, like Crows pick up Rochelle, who's sort of X-Factor player, and then Hawks pick up uh, Josh Ward, who's a bit more of an in-and-under accumulator type player. And um, you'd probably say uh, that they both just lack that extra midfielder. They don't really have too many in terms of younger up-and-comers, so definitely um, take a few more years for both teams to get it back up. But um, for the Crows, I think Darcy Fogarty sort of starting to show a bit of the, the form um, that sort of warranted him being a, an early pick a few years ago. And, um, yeah, just with this game, that was a genuine sort of um, uh, sweep it under the rug type game. And in terms of grading, I'd probably look to say, you know, pass for both teams, really. I mean, wouldn't have expected the Crows to come over to, to Melbourne and, and, um, and beat the Hawks. Um, and for the Hawks as well, just sort of, tough week for the, the club in general and to get the wins a pretty good effort. So I might actually bump them up to a, um, a distinction for this game just because, yeah, with the week that they had, it could have sort of derailed them, but they managed to get the win. So, yeah. 
Yep, I'm going to uh, pass the pass the Hawks. A win is a win. Uh, I'm going to fail the uh, the Crows. Couldn't even remember who they were playing for a second. Um, <laughs> uh, wins a win. When you're playing a game against a fellow bottom six side, that's a chance. That's a chance to get a big win. You, you, only, you only get so many when you're down here. You've got to take them. And they just, just to come out so flat, I think that's the most frustrating thing. I think supporters can accept their team's not as good or the team's travelling and it's not, they're not on, but to come out have 6-1 to one in the first quarter is just so deflating as a supporter. So I think that sets the tone and that's just not on on not on for me. Um, as we move on to our last game of the round, West Coast Carlton. Now, speaking, speaking of teams that were not on, um, I was watching this first quarter and it was something insane, like 15 inside 50s to none to start this game, all going Carlton's way. They were absolutely on fire. Um, and uh, they sort of, in some ways, they had West Coast beat before the game really got started. But then they went to sleep and West Coast came back and got into it. And then it was a funny old game for a team that was 17th versus, I think, 5th coming into it. Um, but Carlton were just obviously flexed a little bit and the two key forwards really really got the job done for, for their side. Yeah, it was a bizarre game, this one. I think it was, yeah, 35 or um, 36 to, to, to nothing. And then for West Coast to actually get back in, and they just about drew level halfway through the um, the third quarter. And going into the last quarter, they're actually still within a bit of a sniff before um, Charlie and Harry sort of put the, the foot down. But um, got to give a bit of a shout-out to Josh Kennedy in this game as well, kicking goal number 700. So the first ever eagle to do it. And um, I think, yeah, like you were saying, the first one, he thought he kicked it, but didn't actually get it on the replay and then managed to get the, uh, uh, the, the famous 700 there as well. So he's been an unbelievable servant of the club. And I think to have, uh, is it this year, we've had three players all past the 700 um, goal mark has been pretty, pretty amazing and probably won't really see it for a fair while the way footy's played these days. No, oh, I think 700's new thousand, which just goes to show how much of a freak buddy is. Um, yeah, to have to have those guys, I guess maybe one of them will sneak to 800. Won't be Kennedy, I don't think. He he'd be lucky if he gets if he gets one more year out of himself. The club had to talk him into playing on this year, so um, yeah, <laughs> that remains to be seen. Um, yeah. I'll, but I don't know how you feel as a West Coast fan to come out and just get blitzed, but then to show so much to get within a kick and then to get blitzed again in the last quarter. Um, I think Carlton are for real. I think they're still trying to find out how they put everything together and play. And, you know, that I think the one thing Carlton have lacked is they haven't been able to play four quarters of footy. And that it was the start of the year. They were getting out to big leads and then Port Adelaide almost came back and beat them. Hawthorne almost came back and beat them. But, they're able to get out to the leads and then hold on. And in this case, they got out to a lead, held on, and then sunk the boots in the last quarter. Um, so they might – I could see a scenario where they lose – they finish top four, lose two finals, go home, go packing, but then that motivates them to start playing the four quarters and then they're the real deal next year. Um, I still – you know, with those two forwards, they can beat anyone on their day in the eight, in the top four. So – there's still a chance to win it all for me. Um, West Coast will be 
Are they going to start sending players in for surgeries and things like that? Not to not to deliberately lose, but just to get the best out of them so they're right to go next year. You think that's where the year's at? Yeah, I mean, you'd think like players like Nick Nad and even like Elliot Yo that sort of struggled with his body this year, you might love to do that. But I reckon, yeah, the way West Coast have sort of played in the last few weeks, they'll challenge a few teams coming into the end of the year. And for, for a team that was, you know, a guaranteed 100-point win when you played them, they're now a pretty scary prospect. And actually did rate the, the effort by the Blues here because, um, I mean, after the first quarter, the, the Eagles were up for it. And... They still had to put the foot down and win by a fair margin and run away and won by 63 in the end. So you've got Kerno and Mackay both kicking five goals and they could have kicked more the way the game was going. And having Jacob Wiedering back for the game, he'll be better for the run. So, yeah, I, I agree with you as well. So they've just got genuine A-grade sort of X-factor talent on the list. And if there was a team that was going to come from the clouds this year, you'd probably put your money on the blues out of... Um, the teams outside the eight. Oh, sorry, yeah. Outside the top four. <laughs> outside the four or at the start of the year outside. Obviously, they finished outside of the eight last year. Um, yeah. The fact West Coast can get back into it shows they had a lot more potential than where their year's going to end with two wins. Maybe they get three, maybe they get four. Um, but, yeah, I, I had it marked as a bit of a danger game just because Nick Nat's back and he – like his ruck works just so pure and gives them such an advantage that against Carlton, who we know have struggled without Mark Pitney of all people, um, whether that could give them an edge to sort of win. But, you know, to, to give up a start is, is really hard, especially when you're a battling side. Um, this is one of the more useless, and I've, I've said this on the podcast, I'm not a big fan of Sir Swamp Thing on Twitter, and this is one of his more <laughs> useless ones, but... V slash AFL sides to go scores in the first quarter and the last quarter. Every game's from 1919 or earlier, plus West Coast on the weekend to go scores in the first and last quarters. So there's about seven other games, but 1898, there were two, 1900, 1904, up to 1919. One of the most useless stats of all time. It's surprising, though. You feel like that would have happened, you know before like considering how bad some teams have been over the journey so oh yeah you look at some of those periods you know it was a couple of years for north we didn't win a game through the 30s and you know quite a few teams have had you know melbourne of, of the 2010s or or carlton even with the priority picks you'd think at some point they might have done it but they've always found a way to score in at least either the first or last quarter it's a very arbitrary thing but um you know that's what swamp prides himself on finding random stats and running with it it is half the game as well if you sort of look at it at either end so yeah i guess yeah it'd be pretty unlikely to happen <laughs> yeah i i guess it might have happened more if it was the first and third quarters where there was a strong breeze or something um but the first and fourth means they're at least kicking both um directions on the ground through you know through the the weather of the mid 80s um so uh, just a random stat um, and, and the other one I liked is um, that goal from Kennedy. He's second on the list of most V or AFL goals kicked for a club by players who didn't make their AFL debut with that club. So second club players. Obviously, the first oh, okay. is is um, yeah. Gary Ablett Senior, who obviously played the odd game for Hawthorne before he kicked a thousand twenty one for the for the Cats. But um, yeah, still quite an achievement. So uh, in terms of grading. 
this this one, last grade, Sammy. I, I'm giving the Blues a distinction. I'm giving the Eagles a fail just for not showing up. But I don't know if it's a coordinated job or not. I'm sort of – it's hard to judge. I, it was very impressive for them to kick seven goals in that second quarter and get right back into it. So I'm going to sit with a distinction and a, and a fail. Yeah, I reckon I might actually pass the, the Eagles for this one just because, you know, at points during this year, they've been an absolute – basket case 100 point guaranteed loss too so the fact that they you know it was going that way and then weren't were able to sort of rectify it for a bit and get the game back and make it a bit competitive makes me think uh, oh it was actually you know adam simpson would still be upset about the overall overall result but at the end of the day they sort of showed a bit which is all you really sort of want to see if you're finishing second um second bottom of the ladder and then for carlton i'll probably give them a, a pass for this one as well and that if they're sort of aspiring to be a top 14, you sort of would expect this to be the overall result. Um, just not really the way that you get there, jumping out of the gates and then having to sort of grind your way and then win by a bit by the end. But um, yeah, just a, a, a great win by um, by Carlton with um, McKay and Kuno both firing as well. So they're looking very ominous coming into the end of the year. Yeah, they're, um, I think I heard someone say, and I think I put it really well, you had to take two fours for the this final series. You'd take Cameron and Hawkins, but if you were setting them up for the next, you know, six, seven, eight years, you'd take Kurnow and Mackay, um, which I thought was a good way of putting it. I think Harry and Charlie. If, uh, if, if you're a Bombers supporter, you'd be, uh, what is it, Peter Rudd and Harry Jones. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I, had to get I, a little dig in there. <laughs> I do think they, they highly rate those two, although I think, I've got one who keeps telling me they're going to go and offer Jamara 900 to walk from the dogs and the dogs won't match it. Um, and then Ben Jeez. King will, will come anyway, even though he's signed up. So it just goes to show you what, what where the Bombers fans are at. Um, but I, I think Charlie and Harry are more exciting to watch as a neutral. Um, not that Cameron and Hawkins aren't, but maybe it's just Charlie. It's just that X factor. And, and Harry around the corner is... I can see him kicking one goal for in a final going around the corner and everyone's going to pile in on him. Um, but don't don't care how they kick him. As long as they kick the goals, I think is the important part of it. Um, Just want to see what he'd do if he was in the uh, the same position as Noah Anderson where he, he can't do the uh, around the body and has to go the set shot to win the game. Uh, well, if he's close enough, you can still go around the body. So Oh, actually, yeah, that's right. Yeah, can, is that... You have to kick over the mark, but you can run up like that. It's a really – I don't know why they changed that rule. I guess to allow that sort of shot. But um, yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. It will be interesting to see what he does um, in that scenario. Um, just quickly, I appreciate your time. We've I don't know how long we've gone for, but it's been a good yarn. Um, there's a couple of games coming up, and I just want to give a bait to the the, uh, the, the floating fixture. Now, they've put the Saints Dogs Friday night, which is great. Um, both teams sort of playing off for a top spot. And then you've got Carlton and Geelong, first and fifth, ripping game. Frio yeah, and yeah. Sydney, third and seventh, ripping game. They're on at the exact same time. Not even – like, they didn't even try and stagger one to twilight and one to night time. Like, um, North Melbourne play Richmond at 4.30. Why not shift that up to the night game and bring – maybe Carlton Geelong to the twilight. Like, uh, sh- 
I'm not looking at the uh, times of their games last week or next week to see if they get all the requisite rest. I'm talking about shifting a game three hours. It'll make a lot more sense given the floating fixtures designed to, um, I guess, give air time to the to the bigger contests. Um, or even um, even move one of those games to the Thursday night and let it have its own sort of air, air as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, th- that'd have to be the Frio Swans game because obviously Carlton played late Thursday, late Sunday in Perth. So that'd be a sh- too short a break. But yeah, we'll do something like that. Move the Dogs Saints game to Thursday and put one of them Friday even. Um, it's it's going to be, uh, they're the two games I'm most looking forward to seeing. Um, obviously, with all the top eight implications, um, do you have a guess which ones on on free to air and which ones on Fox? You've got the two Victorian teams playing and the two interstate teams playing. Have a guess. Well, surely it's Carlton and uh, the Cats on free to air. Oh, it'd have to be. I don't know that for a fact because I don't know if they've released it yet. But I'll, I'll be willing to bet a fair bit of money that that is that is the Channel Seven game. But um, that's just that's just a little pet peeve of mine. They don't don't worry about the. The interstate fans in WA, we all all just want to watch the Victorian teams, don't we? Um, but no, they're, they're two rippers, Sam. You, 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 uh, I can't think of anything better for a Saturday night to be flicking across KO split screen or something. Um, yeah, you got the uh, the, the uh, Deconing Cup for Cats and and uh, and the Blues as well. So that'll be great to see the the two big boys who are going at it, the uh, the brothers. Yeah, oh, two ripping. Ripping young players for both clubs, and I'm just trying to think what the other cup would be. Uh, who's played for both Frio and? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, there aren't too many players that have gone from Frio to the Swans over over the journey. I can't think of any. That's bizarre. Surely there's some. Yeah. <laughs> right in, right in. Anyone knows any? There's a there's a challenge. You get a shout out next week if you know any. Um, I reckon that's it. That's us, Sammy. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Good luck to your teams, everyone, and uh, we'll see you all next week.